What's up, PTB Nation? Welcome to another episode of Parking the Bus. I am finally back. I am the Mr. Mike Agustino. It has been several months. Uh, you saw the announcement, or you may have seen the announcement I put out a few days ago, but I am finally back with another episode of Parking the Bus. So much to talk about in this one. Uh, we're going to get right into it. I mean, uh, I did some traveling this in this time frame, uh, working on a couple of videos that I'm going to be putting up on the YouTube channel as well. And speaking of YouTube, if that's where you're watching, make sure to smash that subscribe button uh, right down there and uh, follow the Parking the Bus Media Network or the PTB Media Network. Anytime my, my uh, content goes out, you can be alerted by hitting that bell next to the subscribe button. Um, again, so much. First thing I got to say is congratulations to the England women's team for winning Euro 2022. Um, that's where we left off when, when the hiatus started. It was day one of Euro 2022 or something like that, and, and I had every intention of following the tournament and of covering it start to finish. It's just things didn't work out. Again, uh, I work on this project alone. I've tried to bring people in in the past. It hasn't worked out. And it's uh, it's still a work in progress, even at 90 episodes. I'm still uh, working through things and trying to figure out where this project is going, you know, and uh, what is the long-term future of it. I have a lot of ideas. It's just a matter of putting things together now. And also a matter of me getting, you know, the time to to do a lot of this. So, um, yeah, it's just it's just uh, one day at a time, if you will. But um, we had a great Major League Soccer season. We're going to start in MLS in this episode. Um, it came right down to Decision Day, all right? Of course, LAFC wins the Supporters' Shield one week before Decision Day. But a lot of the playoff spots were on the line, and positioning in the playoffs were down to the final day. I was at Red Bull Arena on the day watching Red Bulls versus Charlotte FC. I had my, my son with me, the Charlotte FC fan, and uh, we had a blast. And I, again, I, I have a video of that coming up at some point. Just got to do some real editing, but um, it, it was a great time. And it ended up, you know, it ended up being a exciting final day. And we got the 14 teams we got in the playoffs. So um, they kicked off this weekend for Saturday. We kicked off the MLS Cup playoffs or the Audi MLS Cup playoffs, as they are calling it on uh, on television, you know, through the media partners. But I'll call it the MLS Cup playoffs, not the Audi MLS Cup playoffs, because it just doesn't. I don't. know. It's fine. But anyway, we started off at Red Bull Arena, and you know, this match already getting lots and lots of flack for the turnout. According to Major League Soccer figures, it was 17,000 and change that were at Red Bull Arena. It didn't look that way on camera, of course, but it was a late arriving crowd. It seems to always be a later arriving crowd at Red Bull Arena. And, you know, the, the attendance woes are what they are for the New York teams. We know that. Let me tell you, it's not easy to get in and out of, New, uh, out of uh, Red Bull Arena. It is, uh, you know. Traffic is something on on match day, and they're directing you. And getting out is is even more difficult. I find of the stadiums I visited, it's the it was the toughest to, to or the slowest, I should say, to get out of this season. But um, I don't know if that has something to do with it. But also kicking a match off on a Saturday at noon, you are completely you know 
eliminating the youth soccer community from that match. And that's that's a large portion of a potential fan base because kids are playing matches at that time um, all over the United States. But a, a Saturday at noon, that is a prime time for for youth youth football. But it is what it is, and uh, they go into this match, and it is Cincinnati taking on New York Red Bulls at Red Bull Arena. Like I said, about 17000 and change there when it's all said and done, or maybe that's just the amount of tickets that were sold. I don't know how many actually walked through the turnstiles. There may be a different number there, but I'm going to pull it up right now, and uh, we're going to go through this real quick. Uh, we got a lot to cover and not a lot of time, so I can't spend a lot of time on any one match, but... Looking back at Saturday and looking at this one, I will pull it up right here. There we are. Okay, so we've got uh, FC Cincinnati coming in. They're the five seed taking on the four seed, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, this could have been the three and the six. I'm not sure at this point. Uh, I can look at the – either way, it – I'm sorry. It is early in the – I'm recording this early Monday morning, okay? I'm a little uh, – I'm a little – not with it just yet, but it was early. Uh, it was early. It is early Monday morning, and this was early Saturday afternoon. So, New York Red Bulls hosting FC Cincinnati. Here's the lineup, starting with the visitors, FC Cincinnati, who brought a very good traveling contingent to Red Bull Arena. They go with Roman uh, Selenetano in goal. They go with three across the back. It's a three-four-one-two-four for their manager Pat Noonan. Uh, you've you've got the right center back is Nick Hagland. You've got Jeff Cameron and Matt Miazga rounding out the back three. You have at the right wing back uh, Elvis Powell, and you have Alvaro Barreal at the left wing back position with the double pivot of Obina Nuobodo and and Junior Moreno in the center of midfield. They're playing behind the attacking three of Luci Luciano Acosta, or Lucho Acosta, and Brandon Vasquez and Brenner Silva. Okay, so Brenner, Vasquez, and Acosta, the attacking three. This is the absolute, you know, this is the, the firepower of the new of the FC Cincinnati team. And it's it's a strong front three. So for whatever they might lack. In another area of the field, they're very strong up there. The Red Bulls, on the other hand, start with Carlos Miguel in goal. They have a four across the back. Andreas Reyes, uh, Sean Nealis, Aaron Long, and the youngster John Tolkien, the 20-year-old. He gets the start at left uh, as the left back. The, they have a double holding midfield with Daniel Edelman and Frankie Amaya playing behind a front, or a, not a front, but a midfield, an attacking midfield three of Luquinas, of Lewis Morgan, and of Ormir Fernandez behind the striker Elias Manuel. Yeah. Elias Manuel had a goal in the, in the regular season finale. He uh, helped lead Red Bull to the 2-0 win over Charlotte FC in that final match. This one would start out, it would be a slow start. Um, of course, again, like we said, the small crowd early on. It was a slow start. Really, it gets picked up in the second half, and that's when shortly after the, the break, we're talking like the 50th minute. I'm pulling it up right now. It was in the 48th minute, excuse me, and it is Lewis Morgan with an absolute blast, an absolute rocket from outside the box. He hits it with his right foot, just tees it up 
perfectly, and it finds its way into the pot into the opposite top corner, beating Roman in goal, and it is one nil to the home side. The crowd is loving it, and all of a sudden, you know, the Red Bulls are feeling good about it. But if you know this FC Cincinnati team, you don't count them out. They they um they don't go down that easy. And we get uh we get Brenner with an opportunity in the 54th, but it's saved by Carlos Miguel. And moving forward, then as the match is getting to its its crescendo, if you will, a couple of substitutions are made by, or I should say, three substitutions are made by Pat Noonan here in the 67th. Yu Yakubo uh, replaces Junior Moreno. Sergio Santos replaces Brenner. And Nick, and actually those are the two substitutions, excuse me, two substitutions. Uh, in the 68th, Nick Hagland nearly equalizes it off a set piece from Acosta. And and it would be, Acosta would be a, a key point in this one, and he's a key member in that point of attack. The Red Bulls would try to to counter that with a substitution of their own here. Serge Nagoma would replace Omir Fernandez in the 71st. But in the 74th, it would finally happen. It would be Lucho Acosta. And this would be after a penalty is called on Andreas Reyes. Uh, on the television, they didn't seem to agree so much. I watched this on Tudiene because this was the only place it was on um, outside of the New York area and outside of the Cincinnati area was on Tudiene. And Marcelo Balboa and company were, were calling it, you know, in Spanish, obviously. And uh, there were doubts about whether or not this was a penalty. But after looking at the VAR, you know, the VAR did get, did award the penalty or did uphold the penalty, if you will. And Lucho Acosta steps up. He converts it to the bottom right corner, 1-1. And I'm sure that's making the Red Bull fans and players get a little bit nervous. This close to the end, they were they were 15 minutes, essentially, from advancing. But then again, we get another substitution here in the 82nd. And it's one for each team. Kyle, actually, sorry, it's it's two for the Red Bulls. Kyle Duncan replaces Andreas Reyes, and Patrick Kamala replaces El Elias Manuel. And that was, you know, that was uh, perhaps with extra time already in mind. Those substitutions were made, but then in the 86th minute, New York Red Bull hearts were broken as Sergio Santos gets in behind, slides it across the box. And Brandon Vasquez, one of the top scorers in the league, is there to put it home. Greg Berhalter, are you watching? It's, it's, it was it was trending all over. Um, I don't think Greg, Greg Berhalter cares. I don't think Greg, uh, Greg Berhalter has any plans of taking Brandon Vasquez to Qatar. But he finishes this one, and he finishes New York Red Bulls with that. 2-1 to Cincinnati. They advance to play uh the top seed in the East, the Philadelphia Union. That will take place on Thursday. Later on on Saturday, we had the LA Galaxy taking on Nashville SC at, at uh, Dignity Health Sports Park in Carson, California, in front of 22,000, a much better crowd. But um, it was a match in which the Galaxy were, were the better team, let's be honest. Nashville, um, the lower seed, came in, but it was a day that belonged to the LA Galaxy. Uh, they would get their goal in the 60th minute from Ulian Araujo, and that would put the Galaxy ahead. Not much else happens in this one. It ends up 1-0. Galaxy advance. They're going to play in the East in the Western Conference semifinals against their rivals, uh, against LAFC. It's El Trafico in the playoffs at Bank of California Stadium, and that is scheduled also 
for Thursday. So uh, there is a doubleheader Thursday night. I don't know why MLS is playing playoff matches, especially ones with this kind of, you know, with El Tafico on a Thursday night. It's it's probably going to be a late kickoff. I'm pulling it up. It's a 10 p.m. Eastern kickoff again. The, the, uh, why can't they play Saturday and Sunday? I wonder if it's because of the media partners. If that's the case, thank goodness we've got Apple TV Plus next year, and this shouldn't happen again because you, matches like this, you got to play on weekends. You got to play the decisive matches on weekends in the playoffs if you want a, an audience. Um, I guess they don't want to compete with with college football on Saturday nights. They don't want to, you know. I I don't know what what the reasoning is to put this on a Thursday night. There, there's NFL football on Thursday night. You're up against, but this is what MLS has decided. So Thursday night we have El Tropico and we have Union versus FC Cincinnati. Moving on to Sunday's matches now, starting in Austin, Texas. Now, this was an absolute cracker of a match, and um, I really enjoyed this one. This one went all the way to Penns. It's Austin FC 2, Real Salt Lake 2. Uh, let's look at the lineups. We'll start with uh, Pablo Mastorini's Real Salt Lake traditional 4-4-2 with uh, Zach McBeth, McMath excuse me, in goal. He's got... To his, the right back is Andrew Brody, the center back pairing of Justin Glad and of Marcelo Silva with Brian Oviedo as the left back. The four in midfield, you've got on the right side, Michael Ramirez, the Cuban, starts uh, at the outside right midfield position with the double pivot of Brian uh, Oreja and of Pablo Ruiz in the center of the park. And Jefferson Savorino, the Venezuelan, plays down the left flank. Behind the strikers, the Guatemalan Rubio Rubin, who would partner with the Venezuelan Sergio Cordoba. So um, that's the 11 that would take the pitch for RSL. For uh, Austin FC, they've got their goalkeeper Brad Stuver in goal. Uh, four across the back for them. Nick Lima, the right back with the double. Uh, the center back pairing Julio Cascante of Costa Rica and the Norwegian Ruben Gabrielson, and the left back is the Irishman John Gallagher. Double pivot in midfield in front of them with Johan Valencia. The Colombian partners with uh, the Finnish midfielder Alexander Ring, and they're playing behind three attacking midfielders down the right. It's Ethan Fenley in the center in the number ten position. Is none other than the league's you know top, if I'm not the league's top player or top scorer. And the Argentine Sebastian Driussi, one of the top players in this league, a big candidate for MVP. He actually finished just behind Hani Mukhtar in the Golden Boot uh, race this year. And uh, to his left is former New England Revolution uh, youth standout Diego Fagundes. And they got the striker in front of them. It's Maximiliano Uruti. So. In this one, uh, you would get two early goals from Real Salt Lake, and it would be Cordova scoring in the third minute, getting on the end of a nice cross and putting it into the far post, kind of across his body. It came from his right. He got it to, headed towards his left, beating the goalkeeper in the far post, kind of silencing the crowd really early. We all know how big the crowds at uh, at um, in Austin are at um, – Because I'm bringing up there, <laughs> I forget the name of their stadium at Q2 Stadium in in Austin. 
Uh, Cordova would score early. And then in the 15th minute, a questionable handball called against Valencia, but on the VAR. At first, I didn't agree either. But when I finally saw all of the angles, I have I was forced to agree. It was it was um, it was a handball. Cordova steps up, takes the pen, finishes it two nil to RSL to Real Salt Lake early. It it would stay that way for about ten for about fifteen more minutes. But in the thirty first, Driussi finally gets on the end of a cross from Fagundes and cuts the lead in half. It's two one. They take that into the into the halftime locker room. Come out in the second half, and you see there is a red card given to Rubio Rubin very uh, early in the second half. Let me get the exact moment of that. It was a red card in the 52nd minute. So from the 52nd minute on, Real Salt Lake played down a man. Austin push, Austin push forward, but but Real Salt Lake, you know, just holding in, digging in deep, staying organized, keeping everything in front of them, and just defending with their lives. But in the 90th plus four, when it looked like it was over, Scotty Caldwell, the, the another former New England Revolution player, comes in as a substitute in the 70-something there, somewhere in the 70th minute area. But he goes to block a shot here, and, uh, well, his arms are in a very unnatural position. There's there's no arguing this. He's got him out, and, and uh, you know, Driussi's shot hits him in the arm, and it is a handball under the modern rules, and uh, the, pen, the referee points to the spot. There's no doubt about it. Driussi steps up. He has no doubt about it. He converts. It's 2-2. We go to extra time. 30 more minutes of Real Salt Lake playing down a man, but, and they would do it valiantly. As uh, Driussi would have one more opportunity, where off a set piece he would put a header, but it would hit the it would hit the post to be right off the upright, and this one would go to penalty kicks, and we would. I'll bring up the penalty the pens here, and shooting first was going to be. Was going to be. Let's see here. Okay, so the penalty shootout begins. Stepping up first for Real Salt Lake is Marcelo Silva. He converts with a penalty right-footed in the bottom right corner. Up next for Austin to, to you know, needing to equalize was Driussi, the man, you know, with, with two goals of his own in this one. Driussi hits a right-footed shot to the bottom left corner. And, of course, there was an injury to McMath, McMath here towards the end. It looked like it was a hip flexor. I don't know how serious it was, but if he was really feeling a lot of pain in that area, it's going to be very hard for him to to dive in this penalty shootout. I don't know if this affected him or not. He nearly saved Driussi's um, uh, penalty. It went to McMath's right. He, he just didn't quite reach out far enough. I don't know if, if he was, on, you know, if he had difficulty pushing off. It's hard to say. I have not read or, or heard anything since the match, so I'm not sure to the extent that he was injured there, but it was 1-1. Stepping up next was Andrew Brody for Real Salt Lake, and he fails to capitalize as his shot is saved in the bottom right corner. And Real Salt Lake now uh, find themselves behind, and it was a great save by Stuver there. And... Uh, they're going to need McMath to make a save here. But stepping up is Diego Fagundes, and he makes no mistake of it. Left-footed shot to the top right corner. Goalkeeper goes the wrong way, and it is 2-1 on Penns now to Austin. Next up is Brian Ore uh, Oreja, excuse me, and he fails also with the right-footed shot to the bottom 
left corner. And once again, Stuver saves it. And Stuver had himself quite a show in this shootout. And it's now, it's with the chance to make a 3-1, up steps Emiliano Rigoni, and he makes no mistake. He converts with a right-footed shot to the bottom left corner, leaving it all on the shoulders of Tate Schmidt. And in what was one of the worst misses you'll see in a penalty shoot, I think the nerves got to him. I think the fact that Stuber had two saves got to him. Had his teammates missed wide or missed high, I think he would have been a little more composed on this one. He gets under it way too much. I think he might have even kicked the ground when he got under this one, and it sails way over. That's the end of the shootout. Austin FC avoid the scare, avoid the upset scare. Austin FC advance. They're going to have to wait uh, for an opponent, of course. Uh, there are two matches still to play tonight, and they'll play either Dallas or Minnesota. So that is the end of that one. Again, a, a full crowd, a hot crowd in Austin, and a match that lived up. This is what playoff matches, this is why the league does it. It's to, to get the eyeballs on the league and to have exciting football like this. Uh, the last match of the night was last night at Stade Saputo in Montreal. And this this Club Foot Montreal, I like to call them the Impact. They are very very good. I mean they they are they are good. I I I would be concerned about them if I'm one of the other teams in the Eastern Conference, precisely if I'm Philadelphia Union. Uh, Montreal would start with Pantamis in goal, Waterman, Camacho, and Caval Miller in the back of their three five two. Um, Alistair Johnston is the right wing back, while Lassie. L Lapalainen is the left wing back, a three-man center midfield with Piete, Wainama, and Kone in the center of the park behind the strikers. Kai Kamara, the legend, long time, long time uh, goal scorer in this league. And, of course, the up-and-coming uh, Jordi Mahalovic, another guy that we're all calling for Greg Berhalter to consider because he is in top form right now. And... Um, it just looks like Greg Berhalter is going to stick to his guides, is going to stick to his system. He has been playing it for, for two, three years now. Let, let's be honest. He's been he's been implementing this system, so he's going to stick with it. He's going to live or die with it. We'll see what happens here. But um, a very good match for Mihalovic. He ends up being the man of the match and converting a pen in the 90th plus nine to seal it. Uh, Orlando would come out. And a 4-2-3-1 for their manager, Oscar Pareja. The Peruvian Galese starts in goal. He's got Ruan, Carlos, uh, Schlegel, and Motinho across the back. Double pivot in his midfield, Araujo, Araujo excuse me, and Pareja behind the three-man attacking uh, midfield trio of Angulo, Angulo, Urso, and Torres. And the striker, of course, is uh, the Austrian Erkan Cara. Um, Listen, uh, Orlando barely got into the playoffs. Uh, they've been in poor form down the stretch since they won the Open Cup, essentially. And even before, the Open Cup was kind of an oasis in their season. They managed to sneak in, but uh, just lacked the quality in this one. There's not too much to talk about. A lot of quality from Montreal. Uh, they get a goal from Kone in the 68th and another from Mahalovic in the 90th plus nine. And we look at the stats a little bit on this one and, you know, um, Montreal with a 1.67 xG to to Orlando's you know 0 0.74 uh, total shots 11 total shots for Montreal only five for Orlando. Each team had two had two big chances, but in the end it is it is um, 
Montreal really getting the job done at home, and now they're going to await their opponent, the winner of tonight's New York City FC match against um, Inter-Miami. Whoever wins that is traveling north of the border, is headed to Stad Saputo to take on Montreal in the uh, – in the semifinals. So that, uh, the Eastern conference semifinals, so that wraps up uh, major league soccer playoffs. When I come back on Fridays, you know, the new format of the show, Monday, Friday, uh, we'll talk about the MLS cup, the, the Thursday matches on the Friday episode. All right. We're going to switch gears now. Keep it moving. We're going South of the border. Now we are going to Mexico where they have the Liga MX playoffs going on. The quarterfinals have round have uh, wound up or have been rounded up, and uh, we have some lopsided fixtures, um, at least in one tie. We're gonna start with uh, the league leaders, the regular season winners, if you will. Club America taking on Puebla. They met on October the twelfth on Wednesday at Puebla's home stadium at uh, at. Estadio Guatemoc in Puebla, and it was a thrashing. It was a 6-1 thrashing by the visitors. Puebla would ironically get on the board first. They would open the scoring by way of uh, Jordi Cordizzo in the 14th minute, but then America unloads. It's Diego Valdez in the 31st. It's Henry Martin in the 33rd. It's Henry Martin again in the 57th. Then you've got Zendejas with the goal in the 65th, Rodriguez in the 78th, and Viñas in the 90th plus two. Six to one to Club América in that first leg. Fast forward to Saturday. Second leg, Estadio Azteca. Of course, uh, América bringing that six to one aggregate lead with them home to Estadio Azteca. And they would do much of the same in this one. Uh, Roger Martinez opens the scoring in the 21st minute, and Henry Martin once again in the 27th. Uh, Maximiliano Araujo would pull one back for Puebla to make it 2-1 in the 35th. But then uh, Roger Martinez again in the 50th. Fidalgo in the 61st. Uh, and Miguel Layun converts a penalty in the 85th. 5-1 on the night, 11-2 on aggregate. America advance in Liga Mekis playoffs. They're headed to the semifinals. And they will face Toluca, who had quite a, a showing here in this uh, quarterfinal stage. They would start on Thursday hosting Santos Laguna. And that one would take place at the Estadio Nemesio Diez uh, in Toluca de, de Lerdo in Mexico in front of 24,161. And the home side would, would get on the board first. Fourth minute, it was Carlos Gonzalez to make it 1-0. Two minutes later, Camilo makes it 2-0 in the sixth. And then in the 30th, Goriran would pull one back for Santos Laguna, make it 2-1. And in the 38th, Santos Laguna would make it 2-2 thanks to Preciado and Harold Preciado. Would get an assist on that one from Juan Burneta. Gordian's earlier goal had been a penalty. 2-2 going into halftime. And then in the 49th, it's actually Santos Laguna. It is Aguirre getting on the score sheet in that 49th. Eduardo Aguirre assisted by Omar Campos. 3-2 at that point to Santos Laguna. But Toluca come back. <laughs> 73rd minute. It is Camilo again. 
it's now 3-3. And at, in the very end, in minute 90 plus two, it's Juan Bruneta seeing his second yellow. And uh, well, that was in the 84th. Juan Bruneta sees his second yellow. Santos Laguna reduced to 10 men. And then Tiago Volpi steps up for a penalty in the 90th plus two. Yes, that is the goalkeeper. Tiago Volpi, the Brazilian goalkeeper, steps up to take the pen. He scores the winner. Toluca win 4-3 at home in leg number one. Fast forward to last night. They travel to Torreon to take on Santos Laguna. And it's more of the same as uh, Menezes would score first for Toluca in the 47th. And then Mosquera would make it 2-0 three minutes later. Gorian would score. Uh, he would add one assisted by Jair Gonzalez in the 90th plus seven. But too late, too little, too late. Javier Correa also seeing a red card in this one for Santos. Toluca win on aggregate for 6-4, uh, 2-1 on the night. They advance to the semifinals. They will meet America this coming week. And actually, they will meet on Wednesday um, in Toluca. The other side of the bracket now, you have you have Monterrey taking on Cruz Azul. The first leg was on Wednesday at the Azteca. And uh, this one, not much to talk about. It was a nil-nil draw. You got a man of the match performance from Eric Aguirre of Monterrey, of Rayados. But uh, in the... Actually, they, I, yeah, in the Estadio Azteca, you get a nil-nil result here. And it leaves it all to play for in the second leg, which took place on Saturday, and at the BBVA, Estadio BBVA in Monterrey, uh, you, or in Guadalupe to be exact. Uh, Monterrey, this time, make no mistake about it. Um, Herman Betrame scores in the 20th, and then you get a goal added by Rogelio Funes Mori, longtime striker now for this team, assisted by Matias Kranviter, and Funes Mori makes it 2-0 in the 85th, and then Jesus Gallardo, would make it 3-0 in the 90th plus 4. Monterrey advance. Would they face their rivals, Tigres? The, would it be a Clásico Regio in the semifinals? Well, it starts off uh, with a home match for Tigres. They would play Pachuca on Thursday. And this one would finish 1-0. And guess who with the goal? None other than Andre Pierre Gignac. This one would come from the penalty spot in the 88th minute. And Tigres really, really feeling like they can advance after leg one. They know that they have a possible opportunity to take on their rivals in the semifinals. But then last night they visit Pachuca. And they were close. Pachuca get on the board first, though. A uh, goal from Vitor Guzman in the 19th minute. But then in the 64th, Miguel Herrera's Tigres side would... Pull a level and pull ahead on aggregate win. Pizarro, Guido Pizarro would find the back of the net. You you thought it was going to go. I mean, this crowd was hot too. And there was a lot of emotions in this match. A lot of tempers flaring. And you thought that Tigres had it in the bag. You thought they were going to hold on. Such an experienced team like Tigres who have been to so many finals and won the Liga Mekis, won the CONCACAF Champions League, won the Copa Mekis. You think that they're going to be able to hang on to this one. And then it took only four minutes for it all to go south as Javier Lopez would score an assist from Mar Marino Henestrosa, 68th minute, make it 2-1. to one. The fireworks would, would happen towards the end. Kevin Alvarez would be sent off 
for Pachuca. Samir would be sent off for Tigres. In the end, it would be Pachuca 2, Tigres 1. As you know, in Mexico, the tiebreaker is when it's tied on aggregate. And I love this rule. I love, love, love this rule. The team that finished higher in the table advances in the event of a tie on aggregate, forces the lower seed to come out and play. Um, and Pachuca rewarded for their regular season performance in this one. They advance to take on Monterrey. That wraps up Mexico. Okay, so here is the schedule for the semifinals. Wednesday, October the 19th. Um, they may change this by then uh, because it, it, you might see one match Wednesday, one match Thursday. That's typically how they do it in, Me in the Mexican playoffs. But Wednesday, you got Pachuca taking on Monterrey for now and Toluca taking on America. I think America has the right to play earlier and have extra rest due to their first place finish. But those are the matchups. And then next weekend, the reverse fixtures, America will host Toluca and Monterrey will host Pachuca. And by this time next week, we will know who is in La Gran Final, who is in the final of Liga Mekis. They do not waste any time in Mexico. This, this tournament goes very, very fast. Every three days they play. Not that different from Major League Soccer, but it's done over two legs, and there's a lot of matches to play. That wraps Liga MX for you. Let's go to Europe. Let's take a quick break, actually. Okay, we're going to take a real, real quick break, and when we come back, uh, we will. When we come back, we'll go to Europe. This is the Parking the Bus Podcast, Episode 90. I'm the Mr. Mike Agostino. You can follow me on Twitter at Mike Agostino. That's at M-I-K-E-A-G-O-S-T-I-N-H-O. You see it there on your screen if you're watching. And follow the show on, on Twitter and on Instagram at PTB underscore media. We'll be right back. And welcome back to Parking the Bus, episode 90. Let's go to Europe now, and let's take a look at what's going on in the major leagues or uh, in the big leagues of Europe. Uh, a lot of football action this weekend, and I'm going to start in the Premier League. I'm pulling it up, and I will share my screen, and we'll look at the results together here. Um, again, just a... Uh, Every week in, in England seems to be a big matchup. Uh, of course, the one that catches the headlines this week is an, is the Manchester City versus Liverpool match. But let's let's look at them all here from the weekend here. You, as you can see on the screen, I've got the Premier League up. And here we go. We started on Friday. Brentford, 2-0 winners over Brighton, Hove, and Albion. On Saturday, Leicester City, 0-0. With Crystal Palace. Fulham draw 2-2 with Bournemouth. Wolves pick up a win. Um, they beat Nottingham Forest 1-0. That goal scored by Ruben Neves. And I believe that was from the penalty spot. And Spurs beat Everton. Now that their stadium is not hosting NFL NFL games. Uh, Spurs win 2-0 at, at home over Everton. Now Sunday where the big, the big boys came out to play. Aston Villa hosting Chelsea. You see it there. The Blues travel to Villa Park, and they come away with two Mason Mount goals to win 2-0 on the road. And they've got quite a little bit of run of form going now that uh, Graham Potter is in charge. Thomas Tuchel, of course, having been sacked. Uh, Chelsea seem to be headed in the right direction at Ellen Road. You've got Leeds United hosting the leaders, Arsenal. 
and uh, Jesse Marsh's leads would come out, and I'll, I'll put up the lineup for this one, I think. Uh, Jesse Mars's leads team would come out with with uh, Messlier and goal. Christensen is the it's a four it's a four two three one. Christensen is the right back. The center backs Koch and Cooper, the captain. Struch is the left back with Roca and Tyler Adams pairing up in the middle of the park as the double pivot behind the attacking three. Sinisteta, Harrison, and Brandon Aronson. Behind the striker, Rodrigo. Four, the league leaders, Arsenal. For the Gunners, they start with Ramsdale in goal. Uh, what a job Mikel Arteta is doing with the Gunners this season. I admit I had no belief in them when this started. Um, but here we are, 10 rounds in, and they are still top of the table and still playing brilliant football and getting great results. Ramsdale in goal. The right back is White. Uh, Saliba and, and Gabriel are the center backs with Tomiyashu down the left. Shaka and Thomas Partley partner as the double pivot in their midfield. Same formation, 4-2-3-1. The attacking three, Odegaard playing in the number 10 position. He's wearing the captain's armband. He's got Martinelli to his left and Bukayo Saka to his right behind the striker, Gabriel Jesus. So, as you can see there, it finishes 1-0 to the leaders, 1-0 to Arsenal. And that goal was scored by Bukayo Saka in the 35th. Arsenal continue to shine in the Premier League. Can they do it? It's still early. We're less than a third of the way through. We'll have a conversation again in about a month if they're still on this kind of form. But right now, Arsenal are the shining light in the Premier League as far as teams are concerned. They uh, they they build their lead in this round due to this this victory. Manchester United hosting Newcastle United. And is Eric Ten Hag in way over his head? I think he is. Um, a lot of things have gone wrong there at Manchester United this season. It continues to be a struggle. They draw nil-nil with Newcastle United at home. Southampton draw 1-1 at home to uh, West Ham United. And then the big one, Liverpool with that 1-0 victory over Manchester City. Let's uh, take a look at these lineups here. We'll start with... The citizens, the visitors, Ederson goes in goal for Pep Guardiola. 4-3-3 is their formation. João Cancelo on the right. Akanji and Ruben Diaz are the center backs with Nathan Ake playing on the left. Uh, Gundogan, Rodri, and De Bruyne are the three in midfield. And one thing about De Bruyne I noticed, I, I thought he was getting far too wide in this match. He is one of the best box-to-box -box players in the world, if not the best. And for some reason, in these big games, sometimes Pep Guardiola does it again. He overthinks things. He starts moving things around. You got to have De Bruyne going, going north-south in this. You got to have him going box-to-box. -box. I, I thought he found himself wide too much. Made it easier for Liverpool to contain him. Um, you know, it's just, I don't know why Guardiola... Makes things so complicated for himself. He's got such a fantastic team. And when the pressure's on, and if Erling Holland doesn't score, it seems like suddenly this team who played without a striker for his entire tenure, for, for Guardiola's entire tenure, suddenly has forgotten how to play without a striker when, when Holland is not scoring goals in bunches. Um, speaking of Holland, he gets the start at striker. He's got Bernardo Silva to his right, Phil Foden to his left four. The Reds, 
for uh, Jurgen Klopp's boys. Allison Becker gets the start in goal, as always. James Milner is the right back. He's wearing the captain's armband. Joe Gomez and Virgil, Virgil van Dyke in the center of the defense with Andy Robertson playing on the left. Fabinho partnering with Thiago Alcantara in the center of the park to form the double pivot behind Roberto Firmino, uh, Elliot, and Diogo Jota. Jota would get injured in this one. Jota's season appears to be over. His World Cup is definitely not going to happen. Um, he will miss the World Cup. And they're playing behind the striker, Mohamed Salah. And this was a, a up-and-down match. And again, you had... A little bit of controversy, but not really. Uh, it looked like City had gone ahead. It looked like Foden had scored. The referee goes to the VAR, and, and you can see City losing their mind, saying that there was no foul because it appeared. I think they thought that the, there was going to be a call in the penalty area. But when you see what the referee's reviewing, it turns out he's looking at a play further back. And Holland clearly fouls, I think it was Fabinho. And um, the goal is is, you know, overturned there is no goal it stays 0-0 and just moments later again how many times we see this in this sport you have a set piece in the attacking third like manchester city does here a poor service goes right into allison's hands and allison quickly distributes as he puts the drop kick uh for mohammed salah it's mohammed salah versus joan cancelo and you never want joan cancelo being your last man um again they said this on the broadcast on on usa network one of the best uh, fullbacks in the world going forward. Not so at defending, and it's not his fault. We don't use fullbacks to defend anymore. But on this play here, um, he makes the wrong decision. He tries to stab at a ball that he should. I think he should have retreated and contained uh, Mohamed Salah on. He, he decides to commit, doesn't get it. Salah's in behind, and Salah finishes beating Ederson 1-0. That's all the Reds are going to need. Liverpool take three points at home to Manchester City, and if you and you could hear all even in Liverpool, you could hear all the cheers from North London for for Arsenal fans as they you know open up a, a bigger lead on Manch on Manchester City here. And uh, let's see, we've got any matches today? We have two matches tomorrow in the Premier League, but this is now the new round. So Brighton, let's look at next week's fixtures then, or the upcoming fixtures. We have midweek fixtures everywhere. So Brighton, Hove, and Albion will host Nottingham Forest. Crystal Palace will host Wolves. Bournemouth host Southampton. Arsenal were to host Manchester City. That's been postponed. Brentford host Ch uh, Chelsea. Liverpool hosting West Ham United. Man uh, Newcastle United host Everton and Manchester United hosting Tottenham Hotspur. That's on Wednesday. On Thursday, we got Fulham taking on uh, Aston Villa and Leicester City taking on Leeds. We'll talk. We'll recap those on Friday. Here's the table as it sits right now um, in the Premier League. Arsenal League leaders open up a four-point league. You see it right there. Four-point lead, excuse me. You see it right there. Ten matches played, nine wins, one defeat. A plus 14 goal difference, which could come in handy uh, or could come back to get them because you see below there Manchester City in second with a superior goal difference. But right now, Arsenal, four-point lead, and you see their form there on the far right of the screen. That's four straight victories for Arsenal. 
here in uh, the Premier League. They lead, as we said, with 27 points. Manchester City, as I just mentioned, second place, 23 points. Uh, they're four behind with a with a nine goal superior goal difference. So if they can catch up, they can they can leapfrog uh, Arsenal without without you know passing them. They can just if they pull even, they will pull ahead by virtue of that goal difference. Now Tottenham Hotspur right now are third. They're also on 23 points, four better than fourth place Chelsea right now. And Manchester United, I think, should feel very fortunate to find themselves. In the fifth place right now, again, I think Eric Ten Hag is in way over his head. Um, perhaps he underestimated the scope and the size of this job, this project. Manchester United are in shambles. There's no question about it. They, and it's not just on the pitch. If it were just on the pitch, it would be one thing. It's all over. It is off the pitch. It's in the boardroom. Manchester United really, um, even when they get in the results, they're not really impressing very much this season. Newcastle United sit in sixth right now. They're probably going to be very happy to be there. One behind behind uh, Man United. They have 15. Uh, seventh place is Brighton, who you know lost Graham Potter there earlier in the season, who went to take over at Chelsea. They have 14 points. There they've got a match in hand though on Newcastle and the rest. Um, important to note, Manchester United and Chelsea do have a match in hand on Tottenham, Manchester City, and Arsenal. Liverpool right now in eighth. They're starting to claw their way back. This is a huge win for them. Uh, they've got three wins, four draws, two defeats, 13 points. Same number of points as Brentford in ninth and Bournemouth in 10th. Fulham are 11th right now on 11 points. West Ham United 12th on 11 points. Um, I misspoke. Fulham have 12 points on 11. West Ham United have 11 points. 13th place is Crystal Palace with 10. Same as Everton in 14th, also with 10 points. Leeds United 15th right now with 9. I guess some of the uh, excitement around Jesse Marsh's lead side in the, that hot start they had has cooled off. And um, they find themselves creeping back towards the relegation zone. Which is quite honestly, I think, where... They are. That's the reality. That's where they are. They are a club still fighting to avoid relegation versus pushing for a top 10 finish at this time. Um, again, they, they, they'd have had some of the tougher matches now um, in the, in the calendar. So uh, they got, they got a lot of time again, a lot of football, not even a third of the way through. So um, anything can still happen. Aston Villa 16th right now, also on nine points and Wolves out of the drop zone. Um, with their second victory of the, of the campaign, they now have nine points as well from 10 matches. Southampton is in 18th right now. They're, uh, they're just under the line with eight points. Leicester with five in 19th and Nottingham Forest in the rear also with five, but with a negative 16 goal difference. Uh, it's possibly time to start worrying if you are, if you are uh, Nottingham Forest, and if you are Leicester City, remember Leicester City were champions not that long ago. Of course, I think Leicester City have the resources to go into the into the into the transfer market in January and refresh the squad and strengthen it enough to get out of that drop zone. But this is going to be a weird season. I say this, you know, in any league, because this league is going to stop for a month. You're going to have almost an entirely second preseason and get ready for the rest that will happen after the holidays in the new year. So. Um, even for Arsenal, you know, you can't get too excited yet because that stop is going to really be a pause 
And a lot of these players are going to go to the World Cup. They're going to come back injured. They're going to come back tired. I think that bodes well for Manchester City because Erling Holland is not going to the World Cup. So he's going to get a midseason vacation here, a midseason holiday. And he could be an absolute beast after January 1st. Who knows? Not that he isn't right now, but as you saw this weekend when he doesn't get on the board, uh, it leaves much to be desired for Manchester City in terms of ideas, in terms of creativity. It's almost like they forgot who they are a little bit. And again, Pep can always be trusted to outcoach himself to get in his own head and to uh, make things more difficult than they need to be, regardless of just how much just amazing talent he's got at his disposal. Let's take a look at the goal-scoring race as it stands right now in the Premier League. Holland has 15 goals. That's, yes, 15 goals in round 10. Uh, only one of them from the penalty spot. He leads the league. Harry Kane is right behind him with nine. Uh, Ivan Tony has eight. Alexander Mitrovic has a seven, and then you got a you got a couple of guys with six, uh, Phil Foden and Roberto Firmino, and then Gabriel Jesus, James Madison, and Leandro Trossard with five. Uh, that wraps it up for us in England for today. Again, midweek action in the league, so we will most likely be talking about it on the Friday edition of the show. Let's move to Germany now. Uh, let me change the screen for you guys. We're gonna we're gonna look at the Bundesliga, and um, a lot happening in the Bundesliga. So this is an exciting uh, this is an exciting weekend in Bundesliga action there. And I'm gonna bring up the results right now, and we're gonna go by round. And the most recent, I think this was round ten for them as well. There we go. So on Friday, the Bundesliga round starts with Schalke Ofior. Uh, losing at home, mind you, at home, losing 3-0 to Hoffenheim. And um, Schalke, you know, not the team they once were, let's say. They're trying to rebuild. They did get promoted back up to Bundesliga 1 this season. But um, as you see, still having their struggles. We move to Saturday, and Eintracht Frankfurt gets uh, out of the gates fast. And uh, is it time to panic if you are Bayer Leverkusen? 5-1 to Eintracht Frankfurt. Uh, they absolutely demolished Leverkusen after Leverkusen was demolished mid midweek in the Champions League by Porto. And um, I think it's time to be concerned if you are a Leverkusen supporter. Stuttgart, 4-1 winners over Bochum. Werder Bremen two, lose 2-0 two at home to Mainz, while Wolfsburg and Borussia Mönchengladbach will draw 2-all at Wolfsburg. And in the last game on Saturday, RB Leipzig get a much needed three points as they beat Ertha Berlin three to two. And the side from the former East Germany from Leipzig uh, pick up all three points, as we said, much needed. Now on Sunday, the big boys come out to play. It starts with FC Cologne uh, with a three, two win over Augsburg, but everybody's talking about these last two matches. It's the red half of Berlin. It's the other side. It's Union Berlin, the surprising leaders at this stage in the Bundesliga. They take on Borussia Dortmund. And Jack Haberer would pick up a double. You do see the assist there from the American Jordan Pifok. And for the third time in this episode, Greg Berhalter. Jordan Pifok, look at him. 
It's not all about your system. You need options. You need diversity of skill sets. You need to be able to change when the match calls for it. You can't just have one prototype style of player. I'm a big fan of Jordan Pifok, and he is having a fantastic season at Union Berlin. And um, Union Berlin here with a huge, huge victory at home in front of 22,000 jam-packed into their home stadium, beating Borussia Dortmund. And Dor it's more of the same from Dortmund year after year after year. Um, just you hope that the, every year is the year they're going to nip Bayern Munich, Bayern Munich. And um, it again looks like this is not the year for them. Bayern Munich, speaking of them, the champions, what, 10 in a row at this point? They hosted Freiburg and they demolished Freiburg. You see it there. Goals from, from Gnabry, from Chopo Moting, Sane, Mane, and Sabitzer. 5 0 in front of 75,000 in the Allianz Arena. Um, and now I'm thinking I called I, I called Juventus' stadium the Allianz Arena. I think it's the Allianz Stadium. Anyway, uh, I digress. Uh, Bayern Munich, you know, you don't count them out. I know they are where they are in the, in the table, but it's way too early to count out Bayern Munich. Let's take a look at the next round of fixtures. Okay, so in round 11, it'll start on Friday. Mainz will host Cologne. Bayer Leverkusen will host Wolfsburg. Borussia Dortmund will host Stuttgart. Uh, Augsburg will host RB Leipzig. Freiburg hosting Werder Bremen. Well, Hoffenheim host Bayern Munich. Bayern Munich, if you want to say it in, in English. Borussia Mönchengladbach will host Eintracht Frankfurt. And then on Sunday, the leaders Union Berlin travel to Bochum and Hertha Berlin host Schalke. Let's look at the table here in the Bundesliga. Union Berlin, as we said, top of the table now four points or still four points ahead of Bayern Munich. They have 23 right now, seven victories, two draws, one defeat. Bayern, on the other hand, five victories, four draws, one defeat, 19 points for the Bavarians. Freiburg surprising everyone in a second, uh, in third place, excuse me, despite that that uh, demolishing they took at the hands of the champions on the weekend. They have 18 points, five victories, three draws, two defeats. Fourth place right now belongs to Offenheim. They have 17 points, as does Eintracht Frankfurt. Munchen Gladbach taking the final European spot at the moment in sixth place with 16 points. Also on 16 points is Cologne they and Borussia Dortmund, all with 16 points. Werder Bremen has 15, as does RB Leipzig. And Mainz, Ausberg has 13 in 12th place. 13th place belongs to Wolfsburg. They have 10 points, while Stuttgart have 8. Hertha Berlin also with 8. And Bayer Leverkusen are in the relegation playoff spot. This is a club that is currently playing in the Champions League, yet they find themselves in the relegation playoff spot. Perhaps they're spread too thin right now. They have 8 points. And uh, they're only 2 points ahead of 17th place Schalke. and. In the bottom is 18th place with four points, Bochum. That is Bundesliga for this week. Let's take a look actually at the leaders since we are in the in the in here. Let's take a look at the leaders uh, right now. Nicholas Fulkrug, Fulkrug is the leader with eight goals, and then you have Marcus Turam and Christopher Nkunku uh, with seven. Geraldo Becker has six, as does Daichi Kamara and. Jamal Musiala has five, along with Leroy Sane, Leroy Sane, Sadio Mane, Dodi, Luke Bacchio, Bacchio, 
and Ermin Dimrovic, all with five goals. Those are the leaders in the Bundesliga. Uh, we're going to keep on moving through Europe now, and we're going to head to the Serie A. As you see, there are two matches today, but we're going to start with the weekend's matches, and we will look at Friday's. There was no match Friday, so again, uh, Serie A got kicked off on Saturday. Empoli 1-0 winners over Monza in the Torino Derby. Uh, Torino will lose 1-0 at home to Juventus, who desperately needed this victory. Juventus, uh, fresh off their loss in Israel to Maccabi Haifa. Um, I'll probably get some type of a Champions League recap, a short Champions League recap out this week in addition to the Friday episode. I'll try to do that. I can't promise, but I'm going to try to do that uh, just to bring everyone up to speed on where we are in the Champions League. But at midweek, Juventus lost to Maccabi Haifa, and here they're in the Olimpico in Torino in front of 22,000. And uh, it was Vlahovic with a goal in the 74th, Dusan Vlahovic, an assist from Danilo that put the the Biancaneri um, past their rivals and gave them the three points. And then Atalanta at home would go top of the table for the night when they beat Sassuolo two to one, um, and they would wait for a response for a result from Napoli on Sunday. Speaking of Sunday, Inter two nil winners over Salernitana. Goals from uh, Latoro Martinez and from Barella. Uh, would see the the Nerazzurri beat Salernitana. Lazio, nil-nil draw at home to Udinese. Spezia, 2-2 with Cremonese. And then the the big one was Napoli. The league leaders would, would, or would reclaim the lead in the league with a 3-2 victory at the Stadio Diego Maradona uh, over Bologna. Goals from Jesus, Lozano, and Oshiman. Uh, for for the Sky Blues, while Bologna got goals from Xerxes and Barrow. Uh, twice, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, twice Bologna led in this contest, and twice Napoli came back, and finally Napoli gets the winner late, and they take all three points and take their place back at the top of the table. Elas Verona beaten 2-1 at home to the defending champions, uh, AC Milan. An own goal from Miguel Veloso and then a goal from Tonali in the 81st would be the difference. Gunter would get one. Corey Gunter would get one for Ellis Verona in the 19th. And Rosa Neri pick up three more points and keep pace with Napoli and with Atalanta at the top of the table. And you see today's matches later today. By the time you hear this, they will have already played, but I will recap these on Friday. Sampdoria hosting Jose Mourinho's Roma. And Lecce hosting Fiorentina. Let's look at the table as it stands for now. Napoli, top of the table, 26 points, eight victories and two draws. They are still unbeaten. One of You have two of the unbeaten teams in Europe left here. There's not many unbeaten teams left. These are two of them right here. So Napoli with 26, Atalanta with 24. And then in third place, it's Milan with 23. Seven victories, two draws, one defeat for Milan. Lazio are fourth right now on 21 points. Udinese fifth, with also with 21, and holding down in sixth with the final European spot for now, but with a match in hand is Roma. They have 19. Inter are seventh with 18. Juventus eighth with 16. Sassuolo ninth with 12. Empoli 
and Torino, 10th and 11th, respectively, on 11 points. Sanerditana, Monza are 12th and 13th, respectively, on 10 points. While Fiorentina and Spezia have 9. Lecce and Bologna have 7. And then in 18th in the drop zone right now, Ellis Verona with 5. Cremonese with 4. And Sampdoria, the historic Sampdoria in 20th right now. Bottom of the table with only 3 points. They've got only three draws. No victories yet for either of the two teams in the bottom of the table in Serie A. Um, is it panic time for Sampdoria? It, it's not panic time, but it's getting close. Let's look at the league leaders. Let's look at the scoring uh, leaders right now. Ciro, the hero, Ciro Immobile, once again. This man is ageless. He is top of the – he is shared top of the scoring charts he's got six goals as does Dusan Dusan Vlahovic of, of, of Juventus and Marco Arnotovic of Bologna they all have six goals right now the Portuguese striker Beto has five I've called out Greg Berhalter I gotta call out Fernando Santos what are you waiting for Diogo Jota went out injured okay Let's get Beto into this team for the World Cup. I, I don't care if he's never played for the team. He's scoring goals in a top league. You need goals. Portugal have struggled to score goals recently. Beto making um, you know making the, a name for himself as best he can here in Serie A with Udinese. He's got five goals, as does uh, Kravascalia of Napoli. He's got five, and so does Paulo Dybala. And uh, we'll, we'll look quickly at next next round's matches and they will start on Friday Juventus host Impoli Saturday Salernitana host Spezia Milan host Monza and Fiorentina host Inter Sunday Udinese hosting Torino Bologna hosting Lecce Atalanta hosting Lazio and Roma hosting Napoli in what will be the match of the week in Serie A for sure maybe in all of Europe next week Roma hosting Napoli at the Olimpico on Sunday, 2.45 Eastern time on Paramount Plus, of course. And then on Monday, the round will close out with Cremonese hosting Sampdoria. There is a big match. It's a six-pointer for the two teams at the bottom of the table. A victory for either will go a long way in that one, and the Sassuolo hosts Verona. Okay, we're going to move, keep moving through Europe here. Now we're going to go to, we're going to go to La Liga and talk about what, you know, Always, everyone talks about in La Liga when it comes up. It is El Clasico. It took place yesterday at the Santiago Bernabeu. I'm going to spend a few minutes on it here. As you see there, it is Real Madrid 3, Barcelona 1. Uh, Karim Benzema will open the scoring in the 12th. Vinicius Jr. in the 30th picks up a yellow. Federico Valverde with a goal of his own, assisted by Mendy in the 35th. And then Barcelona would pull one back by way of Fernan Torres, uh, Ferran Torres, excuse me, off a cheeky, beautiful back heel pass from Robert Lewandowski. You see a slew of uh, of uh, you see a slew of substitutions there. And then originally a penalty not called, uh, but several minutes later, I would say the referee finally was informed by the VAR to take a look at it. It was in fact a penalty. Um, Barcelona is going to feel hard done by it, but he definitely stamps down on, on the foot of the Real Madrid player. Uh, Rodrigo steps up in the 90th plus one. He converts all three points to Los Blancos. Uh, Barcelona 
still struggling. I mean, when I talk Champions League, I'll have to talk about them. They are very, very close to going out of Champions League again. And I, this is a major setback in their championship hopes. And you know what? Good for you. I have, and I've said before, I have zero sympathy for what's going on at Barcelona. It's, it is their own fault. They did this to themselves. They've made poor financial decisions for decades. And it's about time the rooster comes home to, you know, the, or the hen comes home to roost. And, you know, they're, they're talking about selling name rights. They're wearing Drake's logo on their jersey. It looked ridiculous, in my opinion. Um, there's uh, This is a club that for years and years and years, they were the last team to to put a sponsor, a jersey sponsor on the front of their jersey. They resisted for so long. And now they'll put anything on their jersey. They'll take anything. They're like beggars now, just taking any money they can. They keep taking out loans that they can't pay. They keep signing players they shouldn't be allowed to sign. I'm happy they lost. It's not about Real Madrid. It's about Barcelona. They they need a real reality check. And I don't want to see them bailed out. I don't want to see special treatment to them because they're Barcelona. And hopefully that continues to not happen. And, you know, they, they again... The Robert Lewandowski signing. I don't again. Where do they get this money? They're they're completely bankrupt. They're not in line with you know the league's salary cap rules. They have they they struggle to sign players. This couldn't happen to a nicer team. Congratulations to Real Madrid, but more so, take that Barcelona, take that. And I know that's going to upset all their fans, but you know what? You have to accept that your team is at fault for what is going on for them. Um, they were outplayed all afternoon on this one. They were outplayed across the pitch, and there was only one. They did steal a goal there to make it close and, and give their fans some hope. But in the end, there was only going to be one winner, uh, and it was going to be Real Madrid. So on Friday, Rayo Vallecano would draw nil-nil with Getafe. Girona and Cadiz draw 1-1 on Saturday. Valencia and Elche 2-2 on Saturday. Mallorca beaten 1-0 at home by Sevilla. And Atleti, the battle of the Atletis, Athletic Club uh, Bilbao would lose at home 1-0 to Atletico Madrid on a goal from, from Antoine Griezmann. And it sounds like my man, João Felix, wants out of Atletico Madrid. At this point, I can't blame him. At this point, I'm furious with, uh, with Cholo Simeone, uh, refusing to evolve, refusing to change. Yeah, you got to win this weekend, but he, he's playing an out. He's so much like Max Allegri, playing an outdated style. The, the game seems to have passed him by. He's got so much offensive talent at his disposal that he continues to play Simeone ball. He continues to just double and triple down on his philosophies, on his methodologies, on his ideologies of the game. And um, unfortunately, the athletic, the athletic supporters adore him and will not question anything he does. And that is a very bad thing for the club because I think he's going to be there for a long, long time. And it's going to be a long, long time before Atleti win anything again, um, unless it's a Europa League because they're about to be knocked out of the Champions League again. And um, just not good performances at all. And now they've signed to, to, to kind of circle back to the Barcelona pro. They did just sign Antoine Griezmann on a discount deal from Barcelona after selling him for a record fee to Barcelona. They get him back at discount rate. And I think now that they don't have to worry about his appearances and don't have to worry about uh, triggering any clauses, he's going to play over João Felix all the time. And um, 
I do think we're going to see Jean Felix move in January. Now I do believe it's going to happen. Um, and it's too bad. He's such a great, great young talent, but he's in the wrong system. And the manager, it's not just him. There's other young players that are great in this system. And the manager just does not evolve. He continues in the stone age. And, um, you know, I, I don't fault Juan Felix at all. I don't I don't see this as, as a flop in any way. He's not being used properly. There's nothing he can do about that. Sunday's results. Celta Vigo 1, Real Sociedad 2, Real Madrid 3, Barcelona 1. We talked about that one again. Uh, we talked about that one already, rather. Espanol 1, Raya Valladolid 0, and Real Betis 3, Almeria 1. One match on Monday, Villarreal versus Osasuna. Let's look at the table now. No surprise, Real Madrid, top of the table after nine rounds, 25 points, eight victories, one draw. They are three points better than Barcelona now, who did get a good start. You have to admit they started well in the league, not so much in the Champions League, but in the league they have started well. And uh, third place is Atletico Madrid, which I think they're they're going to be in third place for eternity uh, for as long as Cholo is there. But um, 19 points for Atletico Madrid. The same a number of points as Real Betis and Real Sociedad. And then Athletic Bilbao is sixth with 17 points. Moving down the table, Valencia with, in seventh with 14 points. Osasuna in eighth with 13. Villarreal ninth with 12. Rajo Vallecano in tenth with 11. Celta Vigo is 11th with 10 points. Mallorca has nine, as does Espanyol and Sevilla. Well, Gerona has eight, so does Getafe, and Real Valladolid, Almeria has seven, Cadiz has six, and Elche are in the bottom of the table with three points. Let's look quickly at the leading goal scorers. No surprise here who is on top. One of the best to ever play the game. It saddens me that he's on this team. It's Robert Lewandowski. Um who's expected to not win the gold, the golden ball again, the Ballon d'Or again. And it's really a crime that this man did not win a Ballon d'Or. It's really a crime that they didn't issue it on the year that he was by far and away the best player in the world. He's got nine goals. Joselu of, uh, looks like of Espanol has seven. Well, Borja Iglesias has seven as well. He plays for Real Betis. Iago Aspas has six. He plays for Celta Vigo. Uh, Brais Mendez of Real Sociedad has five. So does Vinicius Jr. of Real Madrid. And then we have a list of guys with four. I'll just read them off. Alvaro Morata, Federico Valverde, Karim Benzema, Rodrigo, and Vedat Muriki, all with four goals. Those are the top scorers in La Liga. All right. Uh, before we go, we are going to move to South America and to one of my favorite leagues, as you know. We're going to go to Brazil, and I'm going to update you. I, I admit I have not followed this league the same way this season as I would like and as I have in the past. I have lost track with everything going on. Again, I was you know on hiatus there. I was dark. This podcast was dark for three months. Um, in that time, I did lose track a bit of the Brazilian Serie A, but here we go. Let's take a look at what's going on, and let's look at the matches going back to Friday. I actually started on Saturday with a cancellation. Goyas and Corinthians did not play, but America Mineiro would be beaten at home by Fortaleza 2-1. Flamengo win a big 
get a massive three points for them. They have a big match this week. They also played midweek. Um, last week they played last Wednesday, they played the first leg of the Copa do Brazil final, the Brazilian Cup final. Away to Corinthians, they drew nil-nil. The second leg, I believe, is this week. I should double check that right now instead of just saying I believe that it's this week. I'll pull up their fixture list right here, and it is this week. In fact, it is Wednesday. The Brazil Cup second leg will take place Wednesday at the Maracanã. It is Flamengo taking on uh, Corinthians for the Brazilian Cup. So um, sandwiched in between those two legs is this match against you know, one of the big clubs in Brazil, Atlético Mineiro. And uh, we get a goal from Everton Cibolinha, the former Benfica player. So I'm happy to see him do well. He scores in the 38th. And that is all the scoring that would happen in this one. As Flamengo will win 1-0, take the three points, and now focus on the cup final on Wednesday. They also have the Copa Libertadores final coming up later in the month as well. Okay, and they'll take on Atlético Paranaense in another another all Brazilian final. Um, I think it's a third in a row that's an all Brazilian final. So uh, Sunday's matches: Ceará one, Cuiabá one, Palmeiras nil, São Paulo nil. Opening the door for Inter, Porto Alegre, and Inter go to Botafogo and beat Luis uh, beat Luis Castro's side one nil, and they get a goal here. By Rodri by uh, Brian Romero, and it is a one-goal victory for Inter, and the Colorado now still with hopes of snatching this title from the grasp of Palmeiras. Um, we'll look at the table in just a moment. Juventud one, Atlético Goianiense one, Atlético Paranaense, the other Copa Libertadores finalist. They were the winners of last year's Copa Sudamericana. Now they're in the Copa Libertadores final. They beat Coritiba 1-0. Avaí beaten 3-0 at home by Fluminense. Those were yesterday and tonight. Red Bull Bragancino takes on Santos of, of you know, Santos Paulista. And uh, that will close out the round. Let's look at the table here for... The Brasileirão, round 32, 32 matches in the book now. Palmeiras, top of the table with 68 points. They have an eight-point lead over Inter Porto Alegre. Six matches to play. They play 38 rounds in Brazil. Um, and they're going to come fast and furious. There's going to be games, you know, there's going to be matches every two weeks. This is going to vanish very quickly. They're going to play these six games in no time at all. I will be paying much more attention to this as this winds down. And now, Inter, as we said, with 60 points 16 victories 12 draws four defeats flamingo in third with 55 points they have 16 victories also seven draws nine defeats for the mingo um as it, the championship is out of their reach now it'll be a second season in a row without the title for flamingo of course they had managerial problems again this season but that has not stopped them in uh, the Copa Libertadores and in the Copa do Brasil. Fourth place right now is Fluminense, one point behind their Rio rivals. They have 54. Corinthians in fifth right now with 54 points, and Atlético Paranaense in sixth with 51 points. Those are the Copa Libertadores spots for now. Uh, of course, we'll, there will be a Brazilian team winning the Copa Libertadores, which will open another spot, and that spot right now belongs to Atlético Mineiro. They're in seventh with 47 points. In eighth, we have America Mineiro. 
They have 45 points, a very, very good showing for the promoted side this season. Fortaleza, 9th with 44. Botafogo, 10th with 43. Sao Paulo, 11th with 41. Santos, 12th with 40. Those are the spots that rounds out the teams right now qualifying for next year's Copa Sudamericana. Red Bull Bragantino are two points behind that line with 38 points. Same as Goyas. 38 for them as well. Curitiba has 34. So does Sierra. Cuiaba has 17 points. They're in the drop zone. Sorry, they have 31 points. They're in 17th in the drop zone right now. Three points from 16th place Sierra. Atletico Goianes are in 18th with 30 points. Avaí 19th with 28. And Juventud seem all but um, guaranteed to be headed back to Serie B next season. They got 21 points in last place. Let's look at the, the leaders in the Brazilian league now. Uh, the scoring leaders, German Cano is the leader for Fluminense. He has 18 goals, one better than Pedro Paul of Goiás. Pedro Raul, excuse me. Bisoli of Avaí has 14. Jonathan Caleri of Sao Paulo has 13. Hulk, remember him playing in Europe for many years. Hulk of Atlético Mineiro has 12. Gabigol and Marcos Leonardo have 11 each. Pedro of, of Flamengo has 10. So does Ronnie of Palmeiras. Uh, Steven Mendoza of Sierra, I want to say. Uh, they all have 10. And then we have two two guys with nine goals. That's Roger Gedge of, of Corinthians and David Terrans of Atletico Mineiro. Those are the leaders. The next round of action, okay, in the Brasileirão. We will look at round 33. That is the next one. And it will begin next Saturday. Red Bull Bragantino host Atlético Paranaense. América Mineiro host Flamengo. Santos host Corinthians. Palmeiras host Avaí. Fluminense hosting Botafogo in a Rio Derby. While Juventude hosts São Paulo. Atlético Goianense hosts Ceará. Inter Porto Alegre will travel to Coritiba. Uh, Cuiabá will host Goiás and Fortaleza on Monday, the 24th, will host Atlético Mineiro. That should do that. Wraps up uh, Brazilian Serie A, Brasileiro, and that pretty much wraps up this episode of Parking the Bus. It is great to be back with you. Great to talk about all these leagues. This is kind of the format we're going to go with for now, <laughs> um, leading into the World Cup, which is you know just. 30-some days away now, uh, the FIFA World Cup next month. Again, I'm going to see what I can do as far as what kind of programming I'm going to have going during the World Cup. Um, we'll see what we got. I'm going to do everything I can um, within reason, obviously. It is the busiest time of the year for me in my work life, so I have to uh, have to balance it out a little bit, but I hope to give as good coverage as I can of, of that FIFA World Cup in Qatar starting very, very soon. Um this coming week, be on the lookout. Women's Champions League kicks off this week. I'm very excited about it. We'll talk about it in the Friday edition, I do believe, along with some of these Monday matches that went on. And obviously, Liga Mekis and MLS playoffs still going. They're, they're coming during the week. So enjoy your week, everybody. I'll be back Friday for another edition of the Parking the Bus podcast. Fingers crossed I'll be back Friday. Hopefully nothing um, unseen happens between now and then. Uh, so I can get you another episode of the Parking the Bus podcast here on the PTB Media Network. I'm the Mr. Mike Agustinio. 
Signing off, don't forget to check out the website, www.parkingthebusmedia.com. I got to do some work on that website at some point and get it back up to date. But um, do give it a hit if you can. And, uh, again, follow the show on Instagram and on on uh, Twitter at PTB underscore media. I'll see you next week. Uh, have a great week, everybody. Enjoy your football all week long, and I'll see you later in the week. This is the Mr. Mike Agostino talking to you today about Anchor. That's right, Anchor. You don't know what that is? Well, let me tell you. Anchor is a one-stop shop to produce your own podcast. That's right, your own podcast. If I can do this, anybody can do this. Why can I do it? Because I use Anchor. Let me tell you all about Anchor. Anchor will distribute your podcast so you can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and many, many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. Let me repeat that. No minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. One more time, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started.